It's week 23, 2021, and Google subtly hints at the future of interfaces. TikTok goes old school radio star, and your next way to shop or sell might be via chat. Let's get to it. Welcome to Clickbait and Switch, a marketing podcast that tries to cut through the bullshit and hook you with what you need to know, what you don't, and what stories you should be getting more love than they're getting. I'm Mark Delinsky on the other mic, Gisela Slizer. We're going to start off with our first click, and that is page experience ranking is going to impact SEO. And Jeffrey Joes, or Jeffrey Jose, product manager at Google, hinted at the impending reality of the minority report, where everything becomes a surface. So two episodes ago, we talked about the recent IO Google conference, but Google made another announcement worth highlighting. Gisela, do you want to break this one down? Yeah, so this gentleman, Jeffrey Jose, I'm going to call him because it sounds Spanish to me. Um, he was talking about the importance of page experience known as PX. This is a new uh, acronym. New one. We have UX, UI, now we have also PX. So he's talking about the importance of PX in search. And okay, let's take it back. What does page experience mean? It's four key pillars basically combined. So it's the combination of how long your page takes to load, something called user annoyance. So things that may annoy you while you're looking at a page, whether it's a pop-up or I don't know, an ad coming in and out, something like that. There's also security and privacy concerns and accessibility, which is becoming bigger and bigger a factor in SEO. So we need to keep all this in mind, but what made us stop and rewind Mr. Jose's conference video a few times is that he said, I'm going to quote here, while we're launching page experience on mobile soon, we believe page experience is critical no matter the surface the user is browsing the web. He didn't say device, he didn't say screen, he said surface mark that's right so this is like a completely new way of thinking about internet and search so voice we already know that's impacted search but the next frontier could very well be the surface like the moon but more likely uh, a wall or a desk or like i'm thinking those minority report like swipey mid-air projection thingies where you're like tapping and interfacing with like little projections that are hovering in front of you i don't know so the surface will inevitably impact ux design and security and every other element that goes into making websites so maybe we're not going to have all those bloggers with their recipe content where as soon as you get on it there's a fucking pop-up of a different video for a different recipe that you didn't want in the fucking first place anyways <laughs> i digress but page experience awesome if this is now going to be something that matters in search results. Yeah, and it's a great challenge to start thinking about page designs and information design and content in a whole new way, because imagine if you have to project the website on a wall or something. Of course, security is a concern because everyone can see it now. You can't like, you know, huddle over your device and type in your password or something. But also the way you, you project yeah, content. I don't know. My mind is flying to very fun places right now. Well, it's also interesting because this might be something that differentiates Google again from these newer internet service search engines that we're seeing like DuckDuckGo and other ones that are sort of starting to slowly take away a little bit of market share away from Google. So maybe this is something like, wait, I'm actually going to get the best possible searches every single time that are also great for me as a, as a user. Yeah, that's Google's offer. That's been Google's offer since the beginning. And this is what's driving SEO forever. So it's just a new way of starting to think about how we put content on websites. So here are some other things that caught our eyes this week. First of all, Twitter launches tomorrow a local weather news service. So launching in the US, this service will create free and paid content in partnership with meteorologists, climate writers, and editorial staffers. They're going to produce newsletters and long-form content on review, which is a thing Twitter bought a while ago. 
and membership-specific short-form content for users with ticketed spaces and audience Q&A services. It's going to start with a membership fee of $10 a month, and they're expecting to roll us out worldwide. So this is like, what, super weather network brought to you by Twitter? I don't know. It's like I can't decide if this is great or just another junk that came out this week from Google's subscription models. Twitter subscription models? Yeah, Twitter subscription models. Did I say Google? Yeah. Sorry, I meant Twitter subscription model. Yeah, so I don't know. What can they add? Are they going to add like more in-depth studies on climate change and climate impact? And we'll see. So on another note, booktubers in Latin America are a little bit like BookTok on TikTok, but YouTube has been getting lots of talk about its communities um, and tribes as well. And they describe this typical booktuber content that includes book reviews, reading challenges, and animated book summaries. A lot like BookTok, which was huge last year on that platform. So now it's expanding. Yeah, on TikTok and saved the publishing industry. Yes. So I guess the effort is continuing um, and something to keep an eye out if you're creating content for YouTube. Instagram has extended Reels ads test to Canada, France, UK and the US and updated its brand content tool. So a handful of brands have been invited to participate in these ad tests on Reels. So Creators will now be able to tag up to two brands in a single piece of branded content and will publish the content while waiting for brand approval with the paid membership label, but without the brand's name. So this is another thing that's going to give a lot more power and freedom to creators and even less power to brands because I assume there must be some sort of rules around what brands can be paired with one another. Well, you have to negotiate that with the creator, right? So now you just have to think to ask if you're a brand to the creator, what else are you going to pair my tag with? Are the prices going to change? I mean, they can already, creators could already tag different brands on a photo on the feed, but this is like a whole new level of partnership wise. So it's a little bit like if you had your out of home poster next to another out of home poster, you would ask the provider of that space who's allowed to advertise, I guess. I mean, same, same, but not really. <laughs> um, Spotify got a new Only You Hub, which feels a lot like the For You tab on TikTok. It feels like everybody's copying TikTok on today's news. So it's basically like your Spotify wrapped thing that we used to get once a year. And then that invaded your Instagram with everybody yes. promoting it at the same fucking time. It's like, great. All of you listen to the same shit. Good job. We all posted the same thing. Congratulations. So now you still have the shareable idea, but you can do it any time of the year. And this will potentially maybe become an advertising opportunity in the future. Yeah. And they also have this blend thing, which is like a more formalized collaborative playlist or like a weirdo TikTok duet. I don't know. Good job, Spotify, and trying to keep relevant, but it, you've also devalued your Spotify wrapped in a way. Whatever. Let's move on to the bait of the week. The bait of the week is super fun. Let's talk about TikTok radio. So a full-time SiriusXM TikTok music channel is live in the US. So SiriusXM, mostly a car-based thing, TikTok radio would be presented by TikTok creators, tastemakers, and DJs and aims to promote emerging talent. And it's pitched as a radio version of TikTok's For You page. It's a discovery tool for trending videos, new sounds, all the things that are hot. So it's like a radio show. And of course, they're going to have a feature, a weekly music countdown dedicated to TikTok's trending tracks. In addition, Pandora, which is the same as SiriusXM, is launching a TikTok Tastemaker series. So a selection of exclusively hosted playlists featuring TikTok creators. So it's basically a radio show from 1999. And like, what? <laughs> so TikTok is, is doing stuff. 
And that's that's sort of why it's getting a lot of buzz. It's always kind of interesting. And on the face of this, this seems retro and possibly bullshit. But Gisela, maybe it isn't. Yeah, I'm not so convinced. I mean, I thought it is because in a way, I mean, Sirius says they have millions of active subscriptions, but we all know that a lot of these subscriptions just come with a car or a rental and you never really use it or even know that it's there. But this move from TikTok, it's kind of a low key, brilliant thing. So rather than adding a voice only feed, for example, um, and devaluing really what they're all about, which is fun video, they chose to kind of open a new channel and stay true to the mindset of the user in each channel and instead open a TikTok radio. Like It's brilliant. Right. A really way to include a new trend into their existing platform. Well, that's it. And it's also it's using sort of a premium feature. So it's not just terrestrial radio. It's serious. So you have full control. And, and as it's a paid product, it's a bit more of a premium product. And you see it in a different way than you would just, OK, it's on my regular radio dial. Yeah. And it's ad free. Right. I mean, Sirius is still ad free. Exactly. Yeah. So this is also a way that TikTok can connect with different demographics and keep the fun off your phone while you drive. Different demographics, because if you think about, I don't know, Sirius is like a family car thing in a way. Oh, yeah. Also, who's buying new cars? Who's the one driving with Sirius XM and having it on? It's probably an older demographic. Yeah. So now when the kids are like, we want to listen to whatever, or maybe instead of looking at their phones, maybe it's a way to get them off the phone. We'll have to see. It's also just another way that the music companies and artists get to access the royalty fees. The more they get played, the more royalties they get. So it's it's a low-key, brilliant way of the best for everybody. It's actually quite fantastic. Yeah. Let's move to the switch. So chat commerce or conversational commerce and the possible rise of super apps. So we've been talking about this for a little while, but a bunch of recent announcements have made it seem even more relevant. My favorite, favorite new product name, Yellow, a Mexico founded, now San Francisco based startup that builds tools for running services over messaging platforms recently raised $50 $50 million to build C-commerce, so chat commerce services, for chat apps like WhatsApp. Yellow! So what's this all about? <laughs> so they're going to use the funding, they say, specifically to focus on emerging markets that are working lots with chat commerce, which are Latin America and Southeast Asia. And Yellow, it's not that new or like a small player, maybe small in the US and Canada, but they already have clients like Unilever, Nestle, Coca-Cola, even Walmart. So they're kind of a big deal under the radar for us right now. They allow brands and or agencies to basically use chat applications to plan and run marketing and sales campaigns, offer help desk services, and even take payments. So they kind of see in between the brand and the apps, they're their own thing for now. I don't know. I mean, maybe they get bought. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe there's a big brand that likes to buy things that seem to be popular and useful for its own platform. That also is a major user of this platform because technically Yellow is platform agnostic and can be used with anything. Uh, in fact, they use it a lot for, brands use it a lot for SMS, but really, truly their biggest, biggest customer is WhatsApp, like brands using WhatsApp for business that want to kind of up their game on WhatsApp. Would it make any sense for Amazon to scoop in and buy this before Facebook can? What a what a good question to throw live as we record, Mark. I would say yes, that's my intuitive 
But it would be kind of a mess because maybe for their Amazon Originals products and anything that Amazon handles themselves. But imagine managing customer service, like maybe individual sellers. They could offer this as a service yeah. to sellers. That would be super interesting as a way for sellers to communicate with buyers. Yeah. Or Etsy. Like it's something you always think like Etsy could could swoop in on as well. But it doesn't have the firepower of an Amazon or a Facebook. Speaking of, last week during F8, Facebook's annual conference, WhatsApp announced a bunch of features and improvements to make quote, make business messaging faster and easier, which is great. Like Instagram announced opening the Messenger API to all brands who want to interact with users on Instagram. And in the past, a brand that wanted to interact with customers either needed to do so directly through Instagram or via Facebook's unified business inbox, which are limited in how they can be used. So interesting, Giselle? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the big deal with um, Instagram, first of all, just to like uh, make that story full circle, is that big brands use third-party platforms to interact with customers. And a lot of their customer service happens on platforms like Sprinkler or Hootsuite. So before, I guess, Instagram wasn't allowing the full integration, but now they do. This gives the customer service representative the opportunity to, for example, when you send the question, now the customer service rep can click on my name and then see my full story. Like they can learn who I am, what I like. They can look into my social media profile that is public. And in that way, know more about me to respond in a more personalized way. And this goes hand in hand with chat commerce, right? Because this is all about one-on-one interactions now for commerce. Social commerce, e-commerce is all kind of blending into this chat commerce thing that in a way replaces a little bit or can stand for the brick and mortar experience, of course, digitally. But it's opening a whole new realm that may just be the future of commerce. Could be. I mean, if this is how people want to communicate, that's great. This is a way for Facebook to increase their revenue streams. I mean, that's great. But yeah, I mean, just think of all the retargeting opportunities that this could open up depending on what you know permissions you have to accept to engage in this type of chat commerce. Yeah, the quote unquote surprise and delight opportunities that brands seek <laughs> <laughs> with, um, with customers. But there are actually, they work. They work when done well. So this is an opportunity to do that even better. Thank you to CloudRaker for providing support for our podcast. We should state, obviously, these opinions and all the nonsense that we come up with are our own. We do do the research, but hey, we're crazy. Anything else, Gisela? That's it. If Amazon would like to dive deeper into the possibilities of chat commerce, they can talk to us. They can connect to podcast at cloudraker.com. So can you. And see you next week. Absolutely. Bye. Bye.